0: Welcome to the Sword and the Trial. We're a ministry of Founders Ministries. Founders You're just Ministries. Not good at this. <laughs>
1: this is why we don't have you do it. Welcome to the Sword and the Trial podcast of Founders' Ministries. Founders' Ministries exist for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jerry
0: Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell.
1: That's good. That's better.
0: That's better. That's I need way. to stay in my lane. This Please. is what I get to say every time we do this. I'm Tom Askell. Yes. That's the only thing I get to say. Stay am huh? Tom Askell.
1: We've been having a good time here uh, trying to get this started about the fourth run. We're going to go with this one because I'm not going to be able to do it any better. That's We've right. Got tell, the giggles. Tell folks
0: bit. where we are. We're in the bunker. We're in Cape Coral, Florida. In the bunker of Founders Ministries. Land in the of the, the Free.
1: Land of the Free. Home of the Brave.
0: Formerly free. free? Some four brave.
1: Three. Governor DeSantis is still standing strong. We're he not is. on lockdown yet. Um, there have been some executive orders. The coronavirus continues to advance. Mm. Uh, more and more people are testing positive. More people have died. Uh, we're going into April. President Trump mm. just, uh, was it yesterday? Yesterday announced that he's extending his guidelines for the, the next month. April? um here in our own county uh we are our counties gathering together county commissioners getting together today today to decide what to do here in our county so certainly our listeners were sure that you are all dealing with the coronavirus and if um if what seems to be the case actually comes to pass it would april will be a tough month with more people dying uh we thought about what to talk about today and we said why don't we talk about lessons learned from the coronavirus
0: yeah, and there are tons of them, and certainly, uh, I mean, it's coming close, um, came close to our church this last week, and uh, we've folks being tested, and folks being quarantined, and um, I have friends who uh, have close relatives and friends that have died from the virus, so we know uh, this is serious, and um, learning to think about it rightly, mm-hmm. and learning to um, kind of put ourselves in the right frame of mind before God's word, to think about the the lessons that he has for us, things that we should learn. We, we, it would be f- foolhardy for us to go through a season like this and not humble ourselves before God and seek to learn right. lessons that we should about very important issues that extend far beyond the season that we're in right now with right. this pandemic. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife um, about –
1: Things that we can learn from this, things that God, um, are is making clear. Like he's he's saying certain things that we can acknowledge are undeniable and true. Especially, and that's helpful, especially when there's so many things that we don't know. Yeah. So we have this. board, you know, with the letters that you can plug into it, that old school board in our house somewhere. And we've got a C.S. Lewis quote on it that Heather put on there. I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun, not because I can see him, but because by him I can see everything. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful for this virus. So um, it's because we know the Lord Jesus Christ that we can look at what's happening and we can make sense of it. And I I was trying to imagine what it would be like. To not know the Lord Jesus Christ and to not know God and yet to face up to this virus. I mean, how, how would you even process what's happening? There, there really is um, death and there really is a danger out in the streets. Um, I would certainly be given to great fear mm-hmm. and trembling to um, think, well, I could go out there and catch this. I could die and there's no there's no hope afterwards. There's no resurrection. Um, and you're really left, I think, saying, well, this is just like a glitch in the system. You know, here the world kind of operates, yeah. and, and maybe it's like a computer that's got some kind of virus, you know.
0: Yeah, or, or maybe not. Maybe this is just part of the evolutionary process that is designed to produce what's coming that will be even more beneficial. I mean, I don't, I don't know how a materialist could think rightly about this thing. Because in that worldview, if you don't know God, if you're not convinced there is a God, and not just a God, but the God of the Bible, the God that's revealed to us in Jesus Christ, who gave up his son to save sinners, to redeem this fallen world. Mm -hmm. If you don't know that God, then you, you look around at reality and everything's changed. I mean, the most important things in your life have changed. Uh, the way you think about tomorrow, the way you think about your job, the way you think about your health, your friends, your loved ones, your elderly neighbors, all of that has changed in man, in a dramatic, drastic way for the worse, not for the better. Mm-hmm. But if you're in Christ, if we know the God of the Bible. We know the God you just described, who gave up his son, Jesus, having been risen from the dead, conquering sin, death, and hell, reigning right now at the right hand of God, the Father on high. If we know him, then we can say, yeah change and decay all around I see, yet we know that God's the one who does not change. And the most important realities are the same today that they were yesterday, last month, last year, 10,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. This God still rules, still reigns. He's still the God and Father of Jesus Christ. And we have every reason to be full of hope and joy and confidence in knowing that he is working all this together for our good and for his glory. And
1: there are a lot of people that don't know the God we speak of, and they don't know even what you've summarized in such a systematic way, the truth of the Bible, the truth of the Christian faith, the truth of the gospel. I was reading Job this morning, and Job in in the Bible, if you haven't read that, uh, he is a righteous man, and yet God permits the devil to um, plague him. To trouble him, to take away his children, to um, cause his wife to curse him, takes away his health, takes away his money. And Job has nothing left and he has friends that gather around him. And eventually, Job begins to justify himself and say, You know, what good is it being a righteous man if my lot is going to be the same as the wicked? And there's a young man named. Elihu, who waits to speak as three of Job's friends speak, and they don't provide much help to Job. And then Elihu is angry with Job because he justified himself rather than justifying God. And Elihu tells him to consider the wonderful works of God. And um, then God himself speaks to Job and tells him to examine all of creation. He says, Job, you know, dress for action, and um, and, um, I'm going to speak to you and God says, you know, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? And Job realized, he said, I've heard of you, but now I have seen you and I repent. Mm. Uh, And my hope would be that that (laughs) happens through this crisis. (laughs) Um, Many people are going to be suffering from sickness and from from loss. And it's a time to consider the wonderful works of God and say okay who is this god let me come to grips with the god who is and christians can look at this situation you know <clears throat> so many people look at this situation and if they're honest if they're trying to be honest how do you how do you answer for it you've got a it's like a big question mark how do you how what's the answer to what's going on right now in my experience You can try to lie to yourself and not deal honestly with the situation, but Christians can deal honestly with the situation. It starts by saying there is a God in heaven. There is a God who rules over all, and he is one God, this God, is sovereign, meaning he controls all things. Some people, you, you might find some Christians, there are some people that claim to be Christians that want to back down from that and say that God isn't sovereign, that he's actually not in control. Well, he's God. Of course he is in control. And you can hear somebody say, well, how in the world? Look at the virus. I mean, what kind of God is that if this God is in control of everything? Well, uh, this God is not only sovereign or in control. He is also good. He's good. He's a generous God. He's treated us all wonderfully. He's treated us all better than we deserve. And this God is just meaning he's always going to do what is right. These things are clearly revealed to us. And admittedly, if that's all that you knew, if you said, well, there's a God who's just and there's a God who's in control and there's a God who is good, well, then how do you answer for the virus, right? Yeah. And well, after having talked about the doctrine of God, we should talk about the doctrine of creation. So God created the world and it was good. If you read Genesis 1, this is what you see. There was no virus In the Garden of Eden, or at least there wasn't one that would cause you to die. And that's a wonderful thing because God, he could have set up the world where there was these kinds of troubles that came upon mankind, but he set up the world in such a way that it was good. And even Adam, who he created in that garden, was good. And Eve was good. They were upright. The reason we have viruses is because Adam and Eve rebelled against Almighty God when they transgressed his standard sin came into the world and through sin death came into the world. So a Christian can step back from this and go, okay, let's remember what's true. There is a God. He is good. He is in control. He created a good world and things like COVID-19 happen because of our rebellion against this good God.
0: Yeah, and you, you you go back to Job and you think, okay, what's going on there? Well, we know the details that have been revealed to us in that book, Job didn't know. Job had limited knowledge and limited access to the knowledge that he had. And so he was being tested by God to take God at his word, to live by faith. And in that sense, he is an example for all of us. We don't know everything we would like to know. We always have more questions than God has given us direct answers. And so because of that, because we can't get specific answers to all of our very legitimate questions of why, you know, why this, why God would you do this or allow this, the temptation is to quit trusting God. And so we forget about the things we do know that God has said. And the battle is always for us to come back to what we do know, what God has said to rest in that. That's what what God was doing with Job. He's reminding him of truths that Job knew that Job should have never forgotten, and yet those truths got eclipsed in the press of this very difficult life situation. And I think the one important lesson for us in that, and we see it elsewhere in Scripture, is that it's okay to admit what's going on with you emotionally. You know, we got friends, family members who are scared and uh, who struggle and and you know, have times of difficulty at night sleeping and thinking what's going to happen what's going to happen to my parents my grandparents and my kids and grandkids and all of those questions and those are legitimate questions and Christians don't need to be ashamed of having questions and job had the questions Jesus on the cross My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The questions in and of themselves are not sinful. It's what we do with those questions. Mm -hmm. And don't allow the questions to move you into unbelief or forgetfulness of things that you do know. Mm -hmm. You know, a a dear friend who was great and encouraging me years ago, he's with the Lord now, used to put it like this. Never doubt in the darkness what God has taught you in the light. And so the things we know is what those are the things we've got to camp out on and remember and believe just like what you went through. Is this still God's world? Is he still the creator? Is he still the ruler of it? Yes, sin came into the world and sin has disrupted the creation that God made good and it has turned things turned us as creatures made in God's image in on ourselves and against one another and against God. Well, is that the end of the story? Of course not. And where's God in the coronavirus? He's in the exact same place that he was when he sent his son to the cross. He's the master of ceremonies. And just as God laid upon Jesus the sins of his people and put the the whole fate of the world upon his shoulders on the cross and then executed Jesus as the sin bearer there, so God is sitting in heaven ruling and reigning over every virus, every molecule in this world today. And God was doing his deepest work in that most unjust act when we look at it on the human level the most unrighteous thing that's ever been done in human history was the murder of the righteous man Jesus Christ and God was the author of it he is the the one who's ruling over it and he was doing his deepest work of redemption in that and if that's true then that becomes the paradigm and I can say okay God was at work there for eternal good and I can look at this coronavirus, and if it comes to my house, it comes to my, my life, it comes to my church, I can bow in acknowledging there are things I don't understand, I don't know, but this God who gave up his son and saw his son slaughtered for my salvation is still good, still wise, still in control, yeah. and I can trust him. Mm-hmm. That's the message that we need to hang on to. It's the message we need to proclaim and remind each other of in our churches, and it's the message we need to hold out to the world. Yeah, the world is broken. Man, sin has screwed everything up. Look at this. If, if you thought things were good, you, you thought things were okay, all God had to do was send a virus throughout the world to immediately disorient our thinking. And it's designed not to uh, destroy you. It's designed to call you, to call you to stop and consider that you're a creature, you're finite, you make your plans, you think you got life by the string, And God does this one little thing, and it disrupts your life. Do you see how small you are? Do you see what your need is? You need this God. You need to be reconciled to this God. As Jesus put it, fear the one who can not only kill your body, but afterwards can throw your soul into hell. Mm. um,
1: Man is finite. You, You cited Job's situation. Here he is suffering, and he was a righteous man. And there were a lot of things he didn't know. You mentioned Jesus of Nazareth hanging on the cross and because he has a human nature. He would say, why, oh, my God, have you forsaken me? And just, I want to just talk about that for a minute, just the human finitude, you yeah. know? Here's this virus, and we we are all having to come to grips with the fact that we don't know a whole lot of things. Yeah. Like, we really don't know. And that's a that's a danger. It's always been a danger to mankind. You know, that's... Even one of the things that the enemy was tempting Eve with in the garden, um, this desire to have all knowledge. I want to be able to have all knowledge, and then we get duped into believing that. Far too often, we think far too highly of ourselves. I mean, Americans, January one, um, I saw a hilarious meme on the internet. There have been a lot of good memes out there, but it had uh, <laughs> it had Frodo Baggins you know January 1 2020 Frodo Baggins he was bright eyed and he had a staff and it was like March 15 Frodo Baggins and it was when he was like grayed out and in some kind of trance you know that's what's happened to us we have we have come to the end of ourselves saying okay we still have a lot of technology we have a lot of doctors we have we have an immense uh, amount of resources as 21st century americans um, a lot of good people assessing good data and yet The virus is still on the rise, right? And God willing, it will arc and eventually um, it will not continue to go on the rise and continue to uh, kill everyone in our land. Uh, Even so, we're not able to stop it. We don't have all sorts of information. What's going to happen with the virus? What's going to happen with the economy? Okay, so what I want people to do right now is take away the virus and remember that January 1, that was still the case. That's right. You didn't have – we are – and as christians that can be a wonderful thing like to to just be okay with and not only be okay with but to actually rejoice in because even before the fall genesis 1 and 2 and god created uh adam and he created him upright he chose not to create humanity with infinite knowledge right. he's the one who limited us and it's something peaceful about that when we acknowledge there's God, when we're doing it in faith, we just go, "I just don't know mm-hmm. I just don't know. I can look at my wife and say "I don't know." I can look at my kids and say, "I don't know, I'm not God and it's it's that's a comforting thought if there is a God in heaven who loves me and who controls all things, if there's not a God in heaven who loves me and controls all things, it's a terrifying thought, but just come to grips with it and and learn the lesson. You know, Job learned lessons through his trials. Learn the lesson now so that when the coronavirus has passed, we can still, I I I, I want it so desperately and deeply in the minds of the American people when this is gone. We're still limited. We're limited in our knowledge.
0: Right. And to recognize that there is more going on than we can see. If you build your life around only the things that you can access with your senses— then whenever those realities get disrupted, your life is going to be topsy-turvy. But if you build your life around those unseen realities that are accessed by faith, it's not make-believe, and faith doesn't create them, but faith accesses them. And if you access your th- those realities and build your life around those unseen things Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, and you look at those things, well then, when everything around you begins to go uh, upside down, your life can still be stable on those truths that are never changing. They never will change. So that's why Paul says all of this, all, all of these afflictions that in chapter one of second Corinthians, he says, I thought were going to kill me. I despaired of life. In chapter four, he says these slight momentary afflictions, Wasn't the afflictions that changed, they're the same thing, but his perspective changed. He said they are working in me an eternal weight of glory. How? He tells us how. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are temporary, the things that are unseen are eternal. And so it's not that you deny the, the virus, you don't deny the the decay, the death that is around us, but you realize there's more than that. And you build your life on those eternal truths that are given to us in scripture that Jesus died to secure for us, was raised from the dead to guarantee that we would live with him as we trust him forever. And you look at those things and you say, okay, man, this is bad. We're going to do what we can to mitigate it. We're going to try to correct this. We're going to stand against every evil, every uh, injustice. We're going to stand against sin. We're going to try to help people to get through the things in life that have waylaid them. And when we get waylaid, we're going to try to deal with that too. But we're going to do that knowing there's more going on because it's been revealed to us. And that's what, you know, I think one of the great lessons that Christians need to learn, relearn, I have to keep relearning it in my own life, is to feed my mind, feed my soul on unseen realities that are given to us, revealed to us in Scripture. Take God at his word. Right now, time, most, most people are having more time because their jobs are interrupted and you know, we're not supposed to go out very much. And, and so we have time. I, I just plead with people, take time to read the Bible prayerfully read the Bible. Ask God to speak to show you things that are true so that you can get that truth into your conscience, into your emotional life, and it will stabilize you because everything's changing around us. We don't know what tomorrow's headlines are going to be. We don't know what the press conference today is going to tell us about going forward the, the next few days. But what we do know is that God never changes, and Jesus Christ still is risen. He still at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The day is still on God's calendar when he's going to return and make everything new. That's what we need. Man, yeah. I, I I just I <laughs> long for that in my own life. I long for it in our people and, and, and for everybody. I want everybody to know that. Right.
1: And it's scripture, um, again, uh, um, my hope is that some would listen to this that aren't, believers and aren't christians when tom talks about the scripture we use the word special revelation we believe that the this living god this creator god who made us and who made this world has spoken through prophets and apostles through human beings he's actually particular persons he's worked by spirit and we have a book that we believe is actually from him it's this very word and there are no errors in it and we use another term called general revelation that uh that um Communicates the idea that God also speaks through creation. Um, Psalm nineteen one, which is in the Bible, says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. And so... Uh, he has made us, and we can hear Him speak through creation. Now, many people have drawn all sorts of false conclusions in trying to understand His providence, the workings of things. Uh, nevertheless, we are to do that, and the special revelation, the Bible, will give us the guardrails so that we can look at providence and we can we can consider what God is saying to us. You mentioned faith. You know, Hebrews tells us faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. And what better time to think about the things we cannot see than now? Now, in, in America, there's this silly notion. If you mention faith, it's just usually always some like personal It's Like, <laughs> I have faith in myself. I always tell people, don't do that. That's the silliest thing you can do. But why? Because the Bible tells me in Genesis 3 that we're not that trustworthy. So don't trust yourself. Don't believe in yourself. And don't have faith in some um, nebulous plan for your life that's kind of on the up and up. That's not it either. It's faith Uh, in God's word, in faith in the God who speaks. And then you can start, it's faith in things, uh, it's it's trusting things unseen. Well, In America, it's like the only things that matter are the things that we see. You know, don't even talk about the things that we don't see. And you set up this um, interesting conversation about causes when you come to the virus. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the relationship or the causes of this virus that, uh, that are physical, tangible, you know that we can notice with our eyes and, and, and ears and all of this. And Christians are actually all for that. So there's a danger that some people think, well, Christians don't care about that. So you know, I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to go out and cough on whoever. I'm going to let whoever cough on me because I don't believe that that actually relates to the spread of the virus. No, it absolutely does relate to the spread of the virus. God is the God over the order of the world, and we should acknowledge that, okay, it seems to be that God works in such a way that if you cough on somebody else, it's more likely that you will spread this virus to that person. But that's not the only cause of things. There are multiple causes of things, and you do need to look at the virus and even the spread of it in our land and consider other causes There is a God, and God is spirit, and he does not have a body like men. There are angels that are messengers who who do his bidding. Uh, There are judgments that this God renders down upon the world. There are mercies that God renders down upon this world. You know, my kids, uh, they'll get a cut, you know, playing outside. This is the standard cut, little Band-Aid on the cut. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, it's all healed up. And you know what? Yes, we thank God. We thank God for Neosporin, and we thank God that he healed their body. I mean, mm. it could have just stayed that way. You ever thought about that? It could have just stayed that way. It could have got worse. Uh, the virus could get worse. But there's a God in heaven who's working in the midst of this. And what better time to stop and to consider him? What better time to stop and consider what is he saying? Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I saw a, I saw a tweet of a woman um, that Somebody mentioned that you know this is God's discipline or God's judgment, and somebody, some woman made a like a pillow or something that said, um, you know, California God is not mad at you, <laughs> and people just love that. People yeah, just love yeah, that. Yeah, not well, my God. Well, you understand you're you're actually delving into a very important doctrinal issue that as pastors we have a responsibility to take up, and we can actually help out here. Um, when when one individual gets sick. It is foolish to draw the conclusion that God is mad at that individual, given the case of Job in the Bible. He's a righteous man, and he got sick, and it wasn't because uh, he had done anything wrong. That's true. Um, God very much judges people's sins, not only in this world, but, but primarily in the life to come at the great judgment, but he deals with nations and peoples and states differently. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be any nations judged in the afterlife. There's not going to be any states that are judged in the afterlife. And, you know, as Christians, we look and go, yes, this would not be here. The, The plague would not be here had we not rebelled against God. And he is a God who feels indignation every day, the Psalms say, He's a God who has bent and readied his bow. And if we think that the coronavirus is scary, we need mm. to consider His eternal judgment. This is but a foreshadowing of that eternal judgment. So, yes. Uh, There is. we are sinners in the hands of an angry God, as Jonathan Edwards said, and that God also has mercy and he has grace. And there is a way, there is a propitiation. There is one who has borne the wrath of God that if we are in him, we will never taste the wrath of God. But we are not in a position to say, California, God is not mad at you. No, he absolutely is mad
0: at rebellion against him. Yeah, the scripture teaches us clearly uh, from the very beginnings in the first few chapters of Genesis about innocent blood. When innocent blood is shed, the first murder resulted in innocent blood crying out to God, God says. So you think about that. What about the the murder of innocents in their bloodshed that cries out to God? Well, how many millions of innocents have been shed, their blood has been shed lawfully in this country through abortion? If there's a God in heaven, if he hates sin, if he hates murder, and we have lawfully murdered tens of millions of unborn babies who had committed no crime and so were unjustly put to death lawfully by this nation's government allowing it, if the Bible's true, we shouldn't be shocked. We should be amazed that they're not a thousand times worse coronaviruses that have just completely wiped us off the face of the earth right now or before now. So innocent blood cries out to God. The, The fact that God has borne with us so mercifully and patiently for so long should cause us to stop and consider in this trial, in this outbreak of expressions of his wrath, to turn from our own sin and repent. This this is the lesson Jesus taught in Luke chapter 13 when his disciples came to him and said, you know, what about these folks that were killed by this tower that fell on them? Probably a tornado knocked it over. What about those that were put to death by Pilate? And he did so in a blasphemous way. And Jesus says, do you think they were more sinful than you are? Here's the lesson. Unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. This coronavirus, these types of nasty natural disasters, as well as the outbreak of moral evil. Whenever these things come to us and they arrest us and take our breath away, Jesus is telling us these are shots across the bow Mm. to warn you, just like you said, of something far worse. You think this is bad? If you don't repent, the day is coming when you will wish All you had to deal with was coronavirus because there's a God in heaven. He hates sin. If you don't believe he hates sin, look at the cross. Look at what he did to the son of his love. He did not spare his own son. When Jesus became the sin bearer, God in his wrath against sin poured that wrath out on the son of his love in order to redeem sinners from sin. That's our hope. And that's why we must repent And run to Jesus because only there is found salvation and forgiveness from this God.
1: If you're looking at the coronavirus, trying to learn lessons, there's no way to look at it and to claim there is no God. There is a God in heaven, He's good, He's just. he is in control of all things. He's the one who created this world, we've said. Here we are living in the world where the coronavirus goes. This God has created the world. He created man. He created man good and upright. We have said there was no death before our great rebellion. You can go read Genesis 3. You can see that rebellion. And through our sin, through humanity's sin, death came into the world. Sin came into the world and death through sin. Um, now we deal with these things. You can't draw a direct line between an individual's um, sufferings and his or her sin. But you can do that when it comes to understanding nations and states. And if you look at this, there's no way to deal honestly with the virus without seeing that God is angry, that there is judgment that's coming upon the world. And this is a foreshadowing of that coming judgment. We've talked about all these things. If you, if you're paying attention, a lot of things you don't know, but if you're paying attention to the virus, one of the things that's simply self evident is that we're going to die. Every one of us are going to die get to come to grips with that right now we may not die in the coronavirus uh, given the whole development of it in our land right now it's a really low chance that we would die from the coronavirus but people are dying from the coronavirus and we're all reminded that we're going to die Uh, ashes to ashes dust to dust from the ground god made us into the ground we will return And we can meditate on that. It's connected to the idea of being finite, which is another thing we've, we're finite in knowledge. Um, We're also finite in this life, meaning, you know, I mean, think about it. Your lungs are expanding and contracting. This virus attacks the lungs. So they've been expanding and contracting ever since you took your first (laughs) breath out of your mother's womb. Right. And, and you haven't even been thinking about it that much. (laughs) It's not like you've been telling your lungs, expand, contract, expand, contract. I mean, that's a gift. How long has that been going on? and, And one day it will stop yeah. for every one of us. And so we should acknowledge that. There's there's a ton of implications from the fact that we're going to die, um, but it is good. I mean, Moses says in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we would get a heart of wisdom. Yeah, We can actually become wise people by facing up to death. If there is no Christ and there is no salvation, we're going to get we're going to get spend a moment here a good chunk to talk about that salvation and how it operates for those who have not heard it before we've said it a number of times but we're going to be really crystal clear but if there is no salvation which is the glorious truth of christianity then you're not going to look at death in the face you're going to ignore it you're going to act like it's not there and you know you might claim i try to face up to it with courage but you simply you can't and therefore you can't gain a real heart of wisdom without acknowledging that i'm finite but in Christ, you can. You yeah. can say, I'm going to die, and I can grow
0: in wisdom. I think you've touched on something really important here. We spend so much of our time and energy in Western civilization today trying to avoid death, ignore death, to put death out of sight. And we just we don't like to think about death and dying. I remember the, the first time I went to Zambia to be with my friend Conrad in Bayway, I think it was like 90 five, six, something like that, and uh, the AIDS epidemic was just rampant, and it was ravaging just the, the, the land of Zambia. So Conrad took me to a, uh, a mortuary in Lusaka. There were 10 of them operating. There were cars lined up for well over a mile, trucks and, and flatbeds, that were there to get bodies of people who had died from AIDS and we just sat there for a couple of hours watching these cars line up to go and get dead bodies. Then we went to a place where they were burying them, and they just were digging holes a few feet apart from each other that workers would be hired uh, every evening, every night. And they'd go and they'd dig these holes, and the next day they'd come and they'd put these dead bodies in, in, the, in the ground there. And, and death was everywhere. And I remember talking to Conrad. It was, he said it's an incredible, uh, sobering reality. He said, but people are ripe to hear the good news that there's salvation, that there's one who has defeated death because nobody, nobody here is not thinking about death. Well, this virus is causing people to think about death who haven't thought about it, who don't want to think about it, to think about it in ways they've not thought about it. And so it's a great opportunity for those of us who know the one who conquered death to proclaim that, that Jesus came into the world to defeat death. He's done it. He died. He was literally buried, and then he came back from the dead, conquering death so that all who are in him might also experience life over death, might experience eternal life. They don't have to die forever. They can experience physical death and experience a new life in Christ because he himself was raised from the dead. That's the hope. And and church, pastors— we need to see this and recognize what's on people's minds this is god's dealings with us and in the midst of everything else going on there are opportunities now to talk about eternity to talk about the one who has defeated death unlike we've had in recent history
1: yeah the this central message of the bible if you if you're listening to this and okay you're like, well, you know a christian take on the coronavirus and things that we can learn by looking at the coronavirus and drawing conclusions um, this God, you you still might be upset about it and say, "Well, you know, I I sure wish this God would be nicer, and I wish he wouldn't he wouldn't unleash a virus that's causing people to die um, because of eating some fruit back in the garden so long ago, or because of whatever I've done wrong in my life. I don't think I've done that many things wrong, and you begin to try to judge this God. You're making the mistake that Job made, Elihu. Was angry at Job because Job tried to justify himself rather than trying to justify God, and that's the that's the shift that has to happen in any person's thinking. You have to realize, oh, no, God is just. God is just. Well, well, one way to see the glory of God in this and to just cover our mouths and to repent is to see the beauty of His gospel. it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance? So, in the midst of of everything going on here, the the central good news of the Christian faith, and that is that this God in heaven who has every right to judge us because of our rebellion against him has sent forth his only son, Jesus Christ. This Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He is the only man, the only person to have obeyed God's law perfectly. That's what Jesus has done. And then rather than getting the great reward that he deserved, he willingly laid down his life on the cross, to suffer and die for sin. He was suffering the punishment of sin. That is the answer to the question that Tom talked about earlier. Why, uh, why oh God, have you forsaken me? The answer is because Jesus was taking upon himself the sins of his people and dying there and that this Jesus has risen again. So it would be like you catching the coronavirus right now, and you have the coronavirus in you, and you're in the hospital, and you're on one of these respirators, and you're soon to die, and Jesus comes in, and because of amazing love, he He takes all of that coronavirus out of you and takes it upon himself, and you go free, and he dies the death that you deserved to die. This is actually what Jesus has done. People, it's it's the most glorious news. It's the most stabling news that you could possibly imagine, and it's true. God has said it, and he's not a God who lies. This Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, He is alive today, and we are promised that we too will rise from the dead, and we will be saved forevermore, living body and soul with Christ if we simply call upon his name and this is where people are you know you might be thinking you could go totally wrong here and you could learn a lot of things about the coronavirus and think well I want to rectify my life and I'm not going to do anything bad and I promise I won't again God none of that's going to work you have to call upon the name of Jesus Christ that's it and you might think well I thought God was just a God who would reward me if I did good and who's going to punish me if I do bad no the problem is we've all done bad and there is no way to get right again with God except by calling upon the name of Jesus you you simply trust him you depend upon him you say you are the living christ i'm putting my hope in you and you will be saved uh, the coronavirus might kill you and you'll find that you will be immediately with the lord jesus christ and one day our bodies will rise again from the ground and our souls will be reunited with our bodies and we will live forevermore. the only way to be saved is to trust in this jesus christ believe upon him and you will live it's amazing what an amazing God we have there's no way to shake your fist at this God and I want to prepare my soul to lose everyone I love right now and and say I am not going to shake my fist at this great God for what he has done for me in Christ and what he's done for the people that I love in Christ that's amazing love And that helps us understand uh, what's going on right now with this coronavirus and can help us to trust him even in the midst of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. If we're we're thinking straightly, we know that our sin deserves to be punished. We look at crimes in the world and we want just judges to, to execute punishment, to declare justice on those crimes. Well, we have sinned against this great God. Uh, He gave up his son for sinners, and our sin deserves to be punished, And, and God says it will be punished. It will be punished. Every sin is going to be punished, and either I must bear my sin or Jesus has borne my sin. There's no other alternative, and the only hope that I have for my sin being forgiven is to look to Jesus Christ, to turn away from my sin, to confess it, renounce it, hate it, forsake it, and to bow to Christ as Lord. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That's the promise. And it doesn't take joining a church, doesn't take turning over a new leaf, doesn't take uh, making certain promises. It just means it, it, here's what it takes to say, I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you, O God. Have mercy on me for Jesus' sake and you trust yourself to Jesus. When you do that, God accepts you, and he will provide forgiveness for you. He will give new life to you. He will change you inside out. He will give you eternity. Man, and that's, that's the lesson. That's the hope. That's what we need to be proclaiming throughout this pandemic and beyond.
1: Amen. So for those of you who listen to The Sword in the Trowel, please share this episode. We, we want to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out as clearly and as far as possible during this time. And we encourage you uh, to make sure in the midst of everything we're doing and all the news updates we're watching, all the measures that we're taking, uh, here's a time for us to be crystal clear on the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Thanks so much again for
0: listening to The Sword in the Trowel.